Welcome back to the Developer Diaries. We are back here in episode 10 with Principal Software Architect and Microsoft MVP, John Kilmister, um, to talk a little bit more about good learning practices for developers. Um, so John, you mentioned in our last episode that continuous learning was something that's really important, right? Could you give us a brief overview of what that is again? And then we'll dive deeper into things like the T-shaped developer um, and key skills that people should be paying attention to as they're sort of going from becoming a student to a developer and, you know, further into their career. Yeah, so continuous learning is really just about keeping your skills fresh and continually looking for for continually building on the skills that you have and also diversifying and various other, other things. And that can be done in so many different ways. And for each person, that might be, might be different. So for me, that means um, going to user groups and reading blog articles and um, following people on Twitter and things like that so that I can get a broad appreciation of what's out there. I'm not going to understand all of those technologies in depth, but I know, oh, there's a tool that does that. I've heard about it at this user group, or there's been this, you know, this, this different way of doing something that I've seen at a, at a conference that I've then gone back and looked at deeper. So I guess the first kind of level of it is having a broad awareness of what's going on in the industry as a whole. Um, now, there are thousands and thousands of things out there in the uh, the software engineering uh, area to learn. Uh, even if you look at um, my specialist area, I guess now is kind of Azure. Um, there are, I think, about 200 or so services in Azure. And you can't be an expert in all of those so or even know about, about all of them. But yeah, the first bit I would say is about getting that broad awareness of what's what's going on. The next bit is experimentation and play. So not all engineers will have the, the luxury of being able to write code outside of their, their work time. We fully appreciate people have families and, and other things that they, they want to do. But having time to experiment with code and see, well, oh, I wonder if it can do that. I wonder if it can do this um, is a really important thing. And different times present different opportunities for that. So some companies I've worked at have 10% uh, time, which allows you to spend 10% of your working week on proof of concepts, ideas, um, and, and new things, or taking existing technologies that you use in your company and repurposing them for other things that benefit the organization. But it's that kind of learning, learning side of it. Um, personally, um, although I still get time in my um, in my work life to do a lot of that, I also then use some of my own personal projects to go and experiment and play with with bits of things that interest me that that I wouldn't necessarily have have time for. But as I said that's not always for everybody uh, for everybody. Um, so yeah, it does depend on your situation. Yeah. Um, and then, I love that you mentioned meetups. Sorry, I cut you off. I love yeah. that you mentioned meetups. I think it's something that like you don't really realize is a good. Um, opportunity to learn until you're already in the industry. Um, and I guess students are sort of doing it casually when they're like meeting up with other student organizations and going to those types of meetings. Um, but what are the key things that you like to learn when you go to meetups and you're meeting developers there? 
So at different times, it's different things, um, which I know doesn't directly answer the question. But um, I may look at the, the topic and I, go, I don't have a clue about that area. So for me, those times are learning about um, just learning about the broad, the, the, the broad aspects of that technology. Um, I went to uh, a talk um, where someone was talking about supercomputers and I have I don't ever see myself needing to program a supercomputer, but it was interesting nevertheless. Um, other times, um, things like data science and things like that, it's definitely not my area, but having an appreciation for it and being able to, when the, I've been in organizations where there are teams that do data science, being able to have a conversation with them and understand what a data warehouse is versus, uh, you know, and various other technologies um, is, is useful. Um, and then other times, they're topics that I've um, that I've done a little bit in, um, and it's great to see how other people have approached a problem, um, because there's always more than one way of doing things. So you'll always learn something, even if even if the least you learn is a presentation skill or a technique. Um, so, and then in addition to that, there's the opportunity to speak to other developers in in the local area. Um, and that is really valuable. Uh, when I've been looking for jobs, I've reached out to those contacts that I've had. But equally, when I'm um, when I want some advice, um, I've reached out to those people as well. So, yeah, it's a really good networking opportunity as well. Yeah, uh, and I also really like what you mentioned about having the ten percent rule in companies where they sort of give you that time to focus on things outside of your current, you know, pipeline and things that you have to work towards. Um, but like to take it the next step further, implementing something like that with the side projects that you're building outside of work, just in your personal life to say, hey, I'm going to set aside this percentage or this fraction of time every week, you know, to just hack on cool projects. And I know some people do it casually just at home. Some people do it at a more like, um, like I'm going to live stream building this project or I'm going to build it and then write a blog post about it. Right. So there's different ways of going about doing something like that. Yeah, definitely. And um, so that's one reason I kind of started my my blog, uh, which was only started uh, what, two years ago, was that very reason to give me a bit of motivation to um, actually finish a side project or uh, a prototype or proof of proof of concept. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and it's often about how you can weave it into your, your work as well. So if your organization doesn't give you 10 percent time, but at the beginning of um, a, a project, in your team, you're introducing a new technology, taking that go up, oh, I don't mind having a look at that, and then going off and learning it and being the person in the team that, that goes and investigates that new technology. Um, so it does depend on your organization, but that, that can happen. When I do a new project um, with a team, I like to only bring in one or two new technologies. So we know kind of 80% what we're doing, but we might be bringing in a new version of Vue.js or something like that, or we might be um, using a new messaging framework. So there's always something new that we can all kind of learn and move forward and it's useful for the project. We don't just pick it because we because it's shiny, but it is it is relevant for the project. But yeah, someone's got to learn that at the beginning and um, help the team get up to speed and things. So yeah. And you've mentioned previously that there's this model called the T-shaped person or the T-shaped developer. Um, can you talk us through what that model is and why that's important to follow? Yeah, yeah. so um, this is a concept. I can't remember who um, originally came up with it, but there are many blog posts out there that, that talk it through. And 
it really actually echoes the things that I've been talking about already, um, that you can't specialize in everything. Um, but equally, being a generalist will be a challenge as well, because especially when you're looking for a new role, trying to, if you say, well, I don't mind what I do, it does leave a bit of question marks over kind of, well, where does this person fit in the organization? So being a T-shaped developer really talks about having a broad uh, a, a broad range of skills, but then being able to specialize in a small subset of those. So if I look at um, like my skills um, at the moment, obviously I've been in the industry sometimes, so uh, this might be different for other people, but I've done some front-end work. I've, I've done some React and, and various other front-end technologies. I've briefly touched on um, some mobile development um, as well and some various other bits and pieces. But my kind of specialist areas are, are, are kind of in the .NET and Azure space um, at this particular time. And that's probably another key thing is that you don't have to stick, you know, to those special specialities. Over time, they'll develop and change and adapt as, as your needs uh, kind of arise. But the, the concept is that you, at a very high level, uh, and as I said, there are lots of blog posts on this, so it's worth having a look at, is having a broad range of skills um, and that will grow over time, um, but then focusing in on one or two key skills that when you're in a job interview, um, you can sort of talk about at more depth and go, this is where I'm looking to specialize. However, if you need me to turn my hand to, I don't know, setting up a build server in order to build my projects, then I don't mind doing that. Or, you know, I might be a really good JavaScript developer, but I can, I also... Uh, know a little bit about containerization and I can put my code in a Docker container um, and then pass it over to somebody to, to deploy. So it's about having those broad skills, but then specializing in, in, um, in, in one or two areas. Yeah. And a lot of these broad skills are sort of driven by your own interests as well as mm -hmm. the work that you're doing at the company that you're at. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be like trying to figure out what it's going to be. It usually just happens naturally based on your passions and your current projects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think something that's really important is to be able to turn your hand to to, to many different roles um, or many different jobs and things. Um, you're going to be expected to do that, especially if you're in a smaller team. Um, so larger organizations and larger teams will have more specialists when you're in a smaller organization with smaller teams there are a lot more um, generalists might be the wrong word, but everyone has to do a bit of everything. Um, so, and that, that's great. But yeah, your, your role as a, as an engineer isn't necessarily just sitting down and writing your, your backend.net code or just sitting down and writing your, your, your JavaScript front end code. There will be other, other technologies involved as we briefly mentioned um, and other things that uh, that you need to need to know about yeah and we also briefly sort of spoke about when we were talking about continuous learning how just the industry moves so fast right things are changing so quickly um it can become really overwhelming to try to mm. keep up with everything right um so how does a developer who has a full-time job who's working on all these main projects as well as their own side projects and going to meetups and everything how do you keep up with everything it is really hard. Um, I think the way that I've chosen to do it is firstly, I've decided to go with a subset of, of, of the space by focusing on Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft tech stack. 
now these days that is much broader than just .NET and Azure. It, you know, we are talking a lot of open source things are also part of that kind of portfolio. But I'm not looking at Java, for example, or C or C++ um, embedded systems or game programming. I've kind of um, put a line there and said, I don't, th that's not kind of where my coding is is going. And they're on the very peripheries of, of, of what I would look at to keep up to date with and things like that. So I think setting some sort of like, boundary might be the wrong word because it's a very loose boundary. And as I said, I've, I've been to talks on topics that I'll never work in, but I've just vague interest in. So setting setting a rough kind of boundary of the area that you are particularly interested in, and that's a very fluid boundary, um, but just at least seeing the, the corner of, of, of the, uh, the, that you're interested in. And then from that, you can engage with that community. And those communities have meetups, they have uh, conferences, they have newsletters, you know, if you're a Java person, you can subscribe to Java newsletters and you will get news and updates from that. So um, I get a lot of mine from uh, email newsletters and from um, the people I follow on Twitter. Um, but there are lots of different ways in doing that. And I'm not necessarily using all of the things that I learn and hear about. But like I said earlier, with the user groups, it's always that kind of, oh, I've heard about this thing in the back of my mind. And then when I come to do the next project, and I go, okay, I need to do something around authentication. I will then set aside some time to go and investigate that. And I can use, um, obviously I'll do my research again, but if I've learned a little bit about one of them through something else, um, or it might be something gets flagged up in a, in a, we've just had the Microsoft Build conference recently. Um, some things came out of that. Um, for example, um, well, yeah, the, there's been a few things that come out of that. And then I've been able to go to people in my organization and say, oh, did you realize this is coming out? It's in preview at the moment. Um, we should start looking at it. Um, and they may give you the opportunity then to spend a bit more time investigating it and, and trying it. So yes, it does depend on your role in the organization and it does depend on, on that. But you, you, might get, you might get work time to, uh, to look at these things, but often that's driven from your own interest and your own kind of, oh, we could look at this um, kind of uh, approach to things. Yeah. Uh, we also spoke a little bit about public learning and how you write build content, mm. you write blog posts about the projects that you do. And it's a great driver to sort of finish that project, right? Once you get started to have a reason to reach the end line and then have something that you can present out to the world. Um, you do encourage public learning to other people. Do you have any advice for people who might be shy, who might not feel comfortable having a public, you know, persona? Um in trying to be public learners? Yeah, so it's really surprising. I think people think that everything that you, you write, well, you must be an expert in that topic in order to, to write about it. And that's not always the, the case. Um, I will start with a topic and I think, okay, I'm really interested in, in doing a particular thing. So um, recently at work, I was exporting some metrics from Azure. Right. And I'd done a little bit of research and, and chosen a way and, and, and completed that. I decided to then write that up as a, a blog post in my own time. Um, and I then went and read the Microsoft documentation to make sure that my blog post was totally accurate and I hadn't uh, made any mistakes um, and that everything was right. And I'd learned new things in that process. Um, 
But I guess the most important thing is that everybody's got something to share. Maybe it is a story about how you developed something and it didn't quite go to plan. Or you started working on something, got to a dead end and went off in a different direction. So talking about uh, your experiences and your journeys, I personally find it's a lot easier because it kind of flows more naturally. And you, you're an expert in your own story. So even if you're not sharing deep technical information with people, sharing that story and that journey, something that you are a, an expert on because it's your, your experience, is a really good way to get started. And it's also a way for you to then go away, fact check and learn a little bit more um, in that. Or you can pick a new topic and completely learn it from fresh, then write up about your learning experience and be honest. That's that's the key with all of this, both in your work life and in your, your public learning. Don't You have to be humble and be honest about what, what you do and don't know. Um, I you know Every day I find myself saying, I don't know that, I'll go away and learn it. Um, or I've heard about that, but I'm not an expert on it and making sure people are fully aware of that. Um, but then going on to, you know, explain your story. I've, I've done a little bit of it and here's my experience. So it can be daunting, um, especially if you're worried about uh, negative feedback and things like that. But yeah. what I would say is that everyone has something to share, um, even if you don't th- initially think so. And just get get started. I I set my own goal of writing one blog post a month. And that is so that I always make sure I I do it otherwise it'll fade away and not happen so yeah I like that goal um and I think it's interesting my experience like learning publicly people are a lot more invested in you when you're struggling and when they see that you're like unable to learn something and you go through that process of saying oh shit I don't get how to do this okay let me do some more research let me reach out to people um because they feel like they're part of that journey and they're sort of helping you along the process um I remember when I used to do like twitch live streams in my senior year of college like learning how to make websites and stuff and web apps the most watched and supported live streams were the ones where I was just absolutely stumped and I did not know how to continue the project and I need to needed to have people in the chat actually telling me how to continue building. Um, so don't be afraid of saying, hey, I'm still learning and I'm stuck and I need help, mm-hmm. right? Like people are a lot more willing to help um, these days. And then the other side of it was when you're building content, and this is just like a normal like when you're in marketing or something and you're writing blog posts it's a general rule set a set an audience for yourself and i think that will really help you not feel as if you're trying to teach to someone teach to the choir right like if your audience is developers at your stage who also don't have any experience it lowers the stakes significantly so you can talk about something that you're not an expert in because the people that you're talking to are also not experts and they're also learning, right? You don't have to write a blog post that's going to be um, targeted towards someone who has decades of coding experience, because then you're sort of putting yourself in a really tough spot where you feel like you have to, you know, get everything correct when you write about it. And that's not necessarily the person who's even going to end up reading the blog post. And we're all still learning. Like it's, Every day I'm Googling for the answer of something. Uh, you know, it's it's still a continually, uh, as we said earlier, there is so much to learn and there is so much uh, that we're doing for the first time that we're all continually 
continually learning. So I, I think that isn't necessarily something that we, we talk enough about is that, you know, people entering the industry might be like, oh, I don't want to say anything because I'll look like I don't know anything. And the reality is, that, unfortunately, most of us, you know, uh, at, dif at differing levels, um, uh, have that struggle, you know, that we're, we're still learning, we're still working it out. And it's just that with experience becomes new ways of finding the answer quicker. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know. It's just that you learn those skills on how to get how to get to the answer um, in a more constructive way. Yeah. It's also it's easier to empathize with someone when you do have a lot of experience when they admit that they don't know and they need help figuring things out um, as opposed to someone who just like gets everything right off the bat and doesn't need any support whatsoever. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, in a work environment, particularly having people who, who don't, don't kind of reach out for help and then you, they say, Oh no, I'm fine. And you know, it's all going well. And then you speak to them two weeks later and you, you realize that they were struggling on something that we could have helped them with. And it's, um, it's it's disappointing but um if yeah the people are always willing to to help um Absolutely. and the feedback you get from public learning um i found to be really beneficial people saying oh have you thought about doing it this way or you know oh you've mentioned this did you realize this and you know i've replied actually no i didn't know that and i learned something from the processes as, as well yeah um, is there like any one actionable step I can take right now or within the next 24 hours that'll help me become a more well-rounded T-shaped developer? Oh, that is an interesting uh, question. <laughs> um, I think if you, if you don't, if you haven't kind of found your, your specialist area, think, have a think about that and think about the, the kind of area, specialist area might be the wrong word, but an area you would like to focus on and that you'd make, like to make your primary skill. So if, you, if you're not there yet, that is something worth thinking about. And as I said earlier, you don't have to stick to it forever, but it's a nice kind of marker to guide you to that, to that community um, of, of people who are also uh, interested in that area. So I would say, if you if you haven't kind of had a think about what what's the one area that you really want to focus on for now, then that is something I definitely recommend people to do. And if you have found that that area, then seek out the the community that is is behind that. There will be other. That's the great thing about the internet. There's always someone else uh, interested in the same thing that uh, you are out there somewhere. So um, go go and find them. I love that. Thank you so much, John, for all of that advice and walking us through how we can be more well-rounded developers. Um, we'll see you in the next episode of The Developer Diaries. Thank you.